Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696 Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Let it be said, let it be written in letters 10 foot high on the side of any building or any mountain you care to select. Billy Morgan is an absolute legend. Talk about a walking, talking, living, breathing superhero. 78 years of age. Look at him last night. Out on that pitch. He looks like a man half his age. He thinks like a man half his age. He's an absolute legend. Four Sigersons as a manager and two as a player. The first one nearly 60 years ago. The man is an absolute walking, talking, living, breathing superhero. Brilliant for him last night. And the conditions in which they played that match, Lord bless the spirits. Good morning. 0818 96 96 96. Yesterday we were talking about missing people from Cork and the numbers of people missing from Cork since the 80s. And we went through them and we talked about some of them in detail and some in more detail than others. There is a missing persons case in the UK which has been ongoing now since late January and it is, it's fair to say now, grabbing international headlines, almost bordering on world headlines, I speak of the disappearance of Nicola Bully, who was out walking her dog on the 27th of January and she went missing and she hasn't been seen since. We catch up with one of the lead reporters who's been on the scene there for the last uh, week or so. And we'll find out the ins and outs of that case, which is fascinating. It really is. It's, 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 coffee, it's coffee machine talk. It's water cooler talk. It's everyone's idea. What, I wonder what happened to that woman in the UK. So we'll catch up with that story after 10. There's also a public meeting coming up next week on the cost of living. And you know, one thing that might keep down the cost of living is if we could spend money on people rather than trying to waste money on stuff that is irrelevant. And, and look, though, yeah, the Greens, the Greens are not your friends, lads. 
the Greens are not your friends and we'll come back to this in the course of the morning to do with the cost of living but there they are this morning now um, Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath thinking about you know people are still struggling with the electricity so let's give them another couple of hundred quid off maybe in May just to keep those bills under control yes it's expensive and no we can't do this long term but that's maybe we're due one in March I got the I'm sure, just like you, my last 200 euro credit took a bite out of my winter bill, and I was grateful for that. I look forward to the next one, taking a bite out of my first spring bill. Would I be very happy to get another one in May? Maybe I won't need it by then, but I'd still be happy to get it. And remember, the credit will still stay on your bill. Um, But the Greens don't want us to have that. Eamon Ryan doesn't want us to have that. We'll come back to all of those things. But Dennis Buckley couldn't walk last November. Couldn't walk to the point where he couldn't bring his dog out. Couldn't walk to the point where he couldn't interact properly with his son. And Dennis, you're fine now. You're you're doing so much better after a trip to Spain. Good morning. How are you? Not too bad now, sir. What brought you to Spain to get the knee done? Were you, were you knackered? I was, I'm an autistic young fella and we've an, an assistance dog and I walk him every night and it was gone so bad towards the middle of November, I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Could not do it anymore. Was it an injury, Dennis? Yeah, yeah, hurling injury from 40 years ago. And they, they cleaned it out two or three times here and it was just gone too far. Right. They couldn't do any more for me. And had you been looking for a replacement operation here? I had, I got... Two MRIs done and that, and they were humming and hawing. And then I got a letter, I think, on about the 24th of November. (laughs) And uh, there was a date on it, and I misread it. I thought that that I was supposed to go for an appointment on about the 21st of November. So I rang him and I said, "Um, you sent that out too late. That, that, um, That appointment has passed. And she said, no, no, no. That is to let you know that you have been put on a list. And I said, all right. And how long will I be waiting? She said, maybe three and a half, four years minimum. So couldn't take it, PJ. Couldn't take it. I was bad enough at this stage. Yeah. And how did you find out about going to Spain then? There's a friend of mine, Billy Sheehan. Billy had got his hip done. And I rang him and he said, leave it with me. He said, I'll get on to Chris over. So he rang Chris and Chris rang me the following day and asked me what was wrong, and I told him the story. He said, 10 minutes now. He said, how about the 7th of January? And I nearly fell, right? And I said, which January? And he said, January coming. He said, we have a few few um, spaces available. And I said, you're taking them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And he said, no, no, no. And I said, come here, that's very quick. I'll have to say it to herself. So I said it to Jill when I got home that night. And she said, oh, Christ, go for it. I can't be listening to you anymore. So... <laughs> That is about it. I to book my flights, send the MRI, the, the DVD to him, yeah. and that was that was about it. Now Chris is the contact man. Is he based here or there? He's based in Spain. So, so your pal contacted this Chris person. Chris rang you back and said, "Can you come on the seventh of January?" Yes. 
He said, you have to pay for it. And the HSE will, will reimburse you. They will reimburse you within 12 to 16 weeks of the operation going through. So I went into credit, Middleton Credit Union and set up everything there. They are affiliated with, a, with most credit unions in the country. Right. Okay. This is the the, the organisation Healthcare Abroad. They, they do all the heavy Correct. lifting. You just have to get the loan. That's it. Chenoel. That is it. And you flew, you flew out to Alicante. They meet you at the airport, I believe. They actually met me at Cork Airport, PJ. At Cork Airport? They met me at Cork Airport. There was a fella, I can't remember his name now. okay. Uh, met me at Cork Airport just to make sure. Met, met all of us and told us everything that we needed to do there and got on the plane. And as we were going out the door of Alicante Airport, there was a big banner there, healthcare abroad, and there were the lads. And they took us out to the taxi and put us into the taxi and took us to the hotel. That was a Saturday night, it was late, when we got down to Denia, booked into the hotel. Uh, we'd Sunday to walk around and um, a few pints on the night. But, and we were on the Monday then in for bloods, everything. They did bloods, they did the, um, the COVID test. The ECG, everything was done within about an hour. Right. Right. And I went to see the consultant and all there and then back to the hotel. And I went back in that evening to meet the um, anesthetist. And he said, yeah, you're on tomorrow. And I was in Tuesday. You met more people, Dennis, in a day than you'd meet over here in, in two or three years. Correct. Anyway, they operated on me on the Tuesday I woke up Tuesday night. They put me in the drip and the whole lot. Got me up on the Wednesday and gave me a few bits of physio and back into bed. That was the Wednesday. They did the same on Thursday. And Lopez, the, um, the surgeon, came in on Friday and said, you're getting out of here. You're going away, by." So he pulled the thing off my leg and sent me off. Are you still sore? This was a couple of weeks ago now. In the last week, it's improving 10% per day. I have no pain now. Right. Okay? Right. My pain is gone. Immediately after the operation, anyway, the old pain I had inside under under the inside of my knee was gone anyway. This was different soreness. This was operative soreness. This the pain you'd had, the bone on bone pain you'd had for so long was gone when you woke up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How's that feel like, Dennis? Oh God, PJ, it's unbelievable. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you uh, you wouldn't realise. Yeah. You wouldn't realise. If I could have ran, I'd have ran. It was that good. Yeah. It was that good. Yeah. Now, I will tell you, the um, few nights, Christ, trying to sleep is unbelievable. Because you, you can't turn just to keep your legs straight. It was very hard to sleep. Yeah. But um, we're getting there now. We're getting there. We're on the road, my man. We're on the road. And do you mind me asking, Dennis, I know that you've got the loan and you get it all back. How much does it cost? I didn't do the figures properly, but I'd say about 12.3. Right. And you, you've already got the paperwork done, or do Healthcare Abroad do the paperwork for you? They do the whole lot. Everything. So you just paid for your flights and accommodation? That's it. Wow. And we were put up in a hotel, my man, right? It was about 70 quid a night. <laughs> breakfast, buffet breakfast. And they had a deal done with the hotel, and you get dinner, five-course dinner in the evening for a dinner. I go away. Oh, that? Beat that. Jeez, I like the food. I know. I don't. Do you know I, what I mean? Oh, I know that part of the world. I know the food is good over there. Yeah, and and the beer is oh good God, too. Yeah. So, are, are you back walking with the dog? 
not yet because the dog would be pulling a bit. Yeah. So hopefully now at the end of next week. Yes. I gone to physio there to um East Cork physio, Kate O'Connor in there. She's very good. And she changed my exercises a bit. And my knee is bending there a lot more now and she's happy Great. with it and I'm happy with it because I didn't know how far to push it, how not to push it. You know, I was afraid. I'd of course, push. absolutely. Pull anything Absol- like, I won't be back to where I was until about six months time. She said I won't be able to play ball with the young fella for about another six weeks. But I've no pain. That's brilliant, PJ. Yeah. You'd recommend it, I think. Oh, mother of God. And there's so many people out there who don't know about it. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Do you know the waiting list? Like, I tell you now, there was people who went out in a wheelchair and they walked home. They got their hips done. That's no joking now. The smile on the women's faces and they're coming back. Wow. Beautiful. Healthcareabroad.ie is the website where, where they make everything Correct. happen. And they, and they do all the heavy yes. lifting for you. All you have to do is contact them. All right. Dennis, I wish you continued good recovery. Mind yourself. Give me a ring there in a few weeks and we'll see how we're going. Good man. Thanks, Dennis. Mind yourself, my man. Bye-bye. Cheers, Dennis. He's a young man. He's only in his 50s. And that's a hurling injury from when he was 18. And it was bothering him for all of his life. And it just got worse and worse and worse over the last few years. And now, he might be back hurling again by the middle of the year with or playing football with his son in maybe six to eight weeks. And if he had stayed in our system, he wouldn't even have been seen for three and a half years. Healthcareabroad.ie and they, by all accounts, we'd love to talk to them actually, they do all of the heavy lifting. Once you're eligible, once the surgery is available at this hospital in Denia, they do everything. You just book flights. They'll tell you when to come. You book a flight and the accommodation and the whole thing is tickety-boo. You know what? Spanish health tourism is going to shorten the waiting list here if nothing else does. You know, I, I, if I, people know me that know me well enough, know my neck is crocked. I have arthritis in my neck since I was a very young man. And if I thought, if I thought that the surgery that I one day may need was available at the end of a flight to Alcante, I'd be gone like a bullet out of a gun, so I would. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. We are on day four of sending you to Vegas to see Dermot. Here's the song you're listening for today. Once upon a time, I wish something to someone. That's coming up later on in the morning. When you hear it, you text to WhatsApp away three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. We will bring somebody on the air, ask them a question, whether it'll be a Dennis question or a Vegas question, only the slot machine will decide that. So when you tell me what you want, we'll see if the slot machine will give you what you want. A bit like your own good trip to Vegas. Then if you get the answer to the question right, we'll put you into the draw and somebody, maybe it'd be one of our listeners, wouldn't it be lovely if we had a winner on the opinion line? Five nights in Vegas, swanky hotel, cash in the poker, and tickets to see Dermot Kennedy in Vegas. That's coming up again. Later in the morning. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. <laughs> the latest radio ratings are in. And once again. And once again. You've chosen Cork's 96 FM. Heard it on the radio. You've chosen the biggest giveaways. You're going to Brazil! 
most beautiful moments. Yes, thousand people listen to Corks 96 FM and C103 every week. Source jail or Ipsos RBI 2022-4. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for choosing us. Now stay listening to win your way to Dermot Kennedy live in Las Vegas. It's just the most beautiful sport from home. On Cork's 96 FM. Hashtag Choose Radio. From Dennis's trip to Spain to the call that just came in. No ambulances last night. We were left waiting from 9 to 12 for an ambulance. The ambulance that came was dispatched from Clonakilty and halfway through it was diverted on to Dungarvan. Doesn't say where the call came from, but that's happening all the time. Compare that chaos and there's no blame to the ambulance crew they're wonderful people they're just going where they're told to go to Dennis's experience and Denise uh, you were over as well were you good morning good morning PJ how are you good did we talk before I think we might have we did yes how are you getting on I'm fine good fine driving walking doing everything that I couldn't do before you got the, the knee done total knee yeah you sound you sound like you're quite a young person I'm 61 soon. <laughs> you, carry, you carry it very well vocally. I wish. <laughs> and you, you had the same hotel, probably, and the same doctor. Yeah, probably the same surgeon. Yeah. And it all went um, through. And I think fantastic. that's how we, once, once this company, or these liaison people, once they acknowledge that you're eligible, they do yeah. all the heavy lifting. Yes. You make the initial phone call, and, well, I, I phoned on a Sunday... And Chris phoned me back, I think it was the Tuesday. Right. And said, book your flights. And I went, pardon? <laughs> he said, you're scheduled for surgery on August uh, something. Right. So hang on a second they, now. They you told, you contacted the company on a Friday. And he Sunday. rang on a Sunday. Sunday. And he rang you when? He online on Sunday. He phoned me Tuesday. Phoned to Tuesday and said, book your flight. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had four weeks or thereabouts, because I, I couldn't go immediately because of commitment. Yeah. Um, all the papers were sent to my GP, right. who filled it all in. I'd already had an MRI yeah. to establish that I needed a new knee, because I didn't need the surgeon's permission to go to Spain. You only need your GP referral. Very good. So I had the MRI, came back, GP said, it's not looking good, girl, you're going to have to have a new knee. So I said, how long am I going to wait? I'll write to the surgeon over here, he said, and, you know, mm. I still haven't heard. There's a five-year, nearly five-year waiting list to get it done. Five years. <clears throat> and I'm a farmer's wife, so I need to be active. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within five weeks, I was over there, done, dusted. It is amazing the number of relatively young people having yeah. knees done and hips done, because yeah. I have a friend who's, who's close to age in my, uh, close in age to myself, who needs two hips and her doctor has told her there's no one going to look at you for four or five years you're too young just get, it, get, it said, get on a plane get on a plane get hold of Chris he will do everything he will tell you every step of the way mm. they even give you a list of things to do two weeks before you go one week before you go what to pack what to bring. Yeah. Like, what kind of things did you have to do in the, in the week running up to be sure everything went smoothly? 
just make sure they had all the paperwork they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to sign a consent form, which you can... They can send you... It's all done email. Um, so that the MRI company can give permission for them to look at your records and all this. It's very, very simple. It's not rocket science to do it. Do you have to be on a state waiting list before... No. 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 I went to my GP after a fall and my knee didn't get any better. And following X-ray, following MRI, he said, you need a new knee. And I said, fine. So I didn't have the money, so I phoned my local credit union, who were brilliant. And uh, from what I understand, all of the credit unions now, or an awful lot of them, are on board with Chris and his company. Mine wasn't at the time, um, because I dealt with Bantry, and I spoke to the manager there, and he said, I don't know about these people. I said, well, this is his number, phone him up. Next day I got a phone call, yep, fine, how much do you want? How much do you need? Right. Christ. And I said, well, 13,000 will cover everything. Because mm-hmm. I get 11 and a half back from the HSE. Antoinette was just saying to me here, and we'd maybe clarify this, Denise, it's very important that people can get on a state waiting list before trying to get that treatment in another country. If you're not on a state waiting list, you can't apply for a refund. Is she incorrect there? Well, I, I had a letter sent to an orthopaedic surgeon over here. Right. You hadn't had a reply, though. But I hadn't had a reply. I hadn't even seen one. Right. But you don't. You just need a GP. If your GP says you need it, right. then Chris will confirm that they will pay. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, I had my money back within 19 weeks because I made one mistake on mm-hmm. a form that I ticked in Spain, but that was my, 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 my error. Yes. But I got it all back. And people will ask the question with regard to credit unions and look, they're the greatest organisation in the world yeah. for, for lending you money. I know, you know what I mean, over the years. But <clears throat> do you have to start paying them back straight away or are they willing to pay for the, or to wait rather for the reimbursement? You take out a loan and you pay that. Okay. So you you'll, you'll, you'll have, you'll be paying them for a little while yeah. until the money comes in and then, yeah. and then okay, I have you. I mean, it cost me in the end my flights, the hotel, and I think it was four payments to the credit union, and then the balance came in from the HSE. Right. Okay. Well worth so, it. Well worth. It's, there's, like, it's there's, about two grand in total. It actually cost me. Yeah. Because there's seven or eight flights a week now to to Alicante. Uh, I I think so. Yes, and they also I think they fly from other airports here as well. They do. Not just Cork. They do. You, but Dennis you, was right. There was a guy who meets you in, in Cork Airport. That's incredible. Um, I think his name was Dominic. Right. I think. Right. Um, and he sees you to the plane. You obviously book wheelchair all the way. Um, lovely Suzanne met me in Alicante. And they actually, PJ, I remember telling you, when they actually got to Alicante and I saw her, I actually burst into tears because I didn't believe it was real. That's right. I remember you saying that to me now. The yeah. relief when I saw that girl with healthcare abroad on her T-shirt was unreal. Do you know, isn't it kind of... I was only saying this to Ewa this morning, Denise. It's brilliant that you can do it. But isn't yeah. it so sad that oh, it's, you have to? It, yeah. Yeah. When we have the hospitals and we have the surgeons, we have all the expertise here... Yeah. We have the ability, but 
I don't know, perhaps there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians, I don't know. Denise, I'm, I'm glad you're making the full recovery because, like I said, working on a farm, you need two functional knees. Yeah, but I'd recommend it. Give Chris a ring and talk to him about your neck, PJ. You never know. <laughs> there you, you go. The surgeon over there, Geordie, was Dutch, and he is amazing. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Denise, thank you very much. 0818 So that would make some documentary, wouldn't it? Although, my wonderful, wonderful chiropractor who keeps me going has said to me, I won't need this surgery for several years yet, but eventually I'm looking at it. 0818 96 96 96. There is a public meeting on Monday the 20th about the cost of living, which is gripping the country. Um, Just this morning, we hear another story that the Greens are going to oppose another €200 electricity credit. They say, give it to the most vulnerable. None of us disagree with that, by the way. Give it to the most vulnerable through the social welfare system. None of us disagree with that either. But they don't want us to have a fourth one, which Pascal Donoghue and Michael McGrath say, look, we can put the money together for a fourth one to give us in the May, maybe early spring or early summertime, just to take the heat off the last bill before we go into the summer when the bills drop anyway. But the Greens don't want that to happen. They say hold on to it till the winter. But you see, that there's a thing about that. In fairness to Michael McGrath, when I spoke to him after the budget, I said, if you need to do this again next winter, can you? He said, yes, we can. He said, the money's there for next winter if we need it. So what's up with the Greens? What, what, what do they have, us against, have uh, us against us heating and lighting and minding ourselves? 0818 96 96 96. That meeting will be in the Metropole Hotel on McCurtain Street. Going to talk to some people about it. Uh, I start with Joanne. Joanne, you're in. You're in Ballincollig. Good morning to you. I I am indeed PJ. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm the into uh, local rep here for Cork City Southwest, and the meeting is Padder Tobin That's and right, um, Pat Murphy. Um, it's on the cost of living, and it's in the Metropole uh, on the 20th of February at 8 p.m. Pat Pat Murphy uh, is the man who said to the Russians, uh, "Up with this, we will not put." He is indeed. <laughs> he is indeed. Yeah. Um, it's a meeting in response to like the cost of living crisis. Mm. Um, basically, like we're like personally, like we're we're at a point where uh, the cost of living crisis has, you know, it, it, it been extended now. Like it's been going on as far as I can see for years, decades, nearly even a decade at this stage. Um, and at this stage, like I think we we have to sort of start start looking at you know real um, I suppose really how to take action against it at, you know and to har- harness that sort of I suppose an energy to, to because the government parties seem to lack all sort of initiative. Well, it seems really. same they're arguing among themselves now because Michael yeah. McGrath and Pascal Dunhu yeah. and even Leo Varadkar have been saying in the last few days, look, we'll put the money together and we'll give people another another credit. And the Greens are now saying, no, 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 we're not, we're not having that. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like it's. You know, this is brass tacks, like really, like we're we're coming down to minute detail if people can't afford to heat their houses or can't afford to feed themselves. Or are deciding That's, which one they can do, heat or heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're talking about survival then. 
Um, but I mean, I think we've, you know, I reading through all the government stuff and, you know, just listening to them, I feel they're taking us round and round in circles. I mean, the number, like even with your last caller there, like healthcare abroad, <laughs> we're all on waiting lists, you know. I'm on a waiting list. I'm on a waiting list for my cataracts. They keep trying to push me off the waiting list by sending me um, a note every six months or so to know, are you still oh, in yeah. need of this? Oh, yeah, I got you know, one of those. Constant, like, I got one of those letters. Yeah, um, and, you know, and, uh, and I kind they're of said, hoping you go away. No, like, I'm sorry, but what I have doesn't heal, Mrs. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't go away yeah. on its own. No, it's not going to go away. So I, unless they have given you the surgery, you are still on that waiting list. But they want people off the waiting lists, yeah. technically on paper, like. Yeah. So you have, like, you, you have this rumbling away in the background. Then you have, we've, you know, we're all, all we all marched for our hospitals. You know, if you go in now, you're, you go in and you're waiting in an ambulance in any outside any and they can't hand you over there could be 14 other ambulances that's right they can't hand you over and the ambulance is they out of commission they, until they do the ambulance is out of commission until they can hand you over to a doctor yeah. that's we have that uh, sequence running all no, the time in no, the hospitals no, no, no Joanne you're, you're an into rep uh, so you're involved in, in a political party yeah. so this is a fair question I think to put to you and mm-hmm. Peter told me and I'd put the same if he was on the line what are you going to do about it well, in terms of the housing crisis, which seems to be the, you know, the one that is, um, I suppose, affecting across society at the moment, um, we're looking at, you know, we want to increase the number of local authority bills. And I mean, I think that's, yeah. you know, uh, has to come. Um you know, you're going to have to look at those vulture funds in the markets and seeing what can you do to reduce their impact and where, where people are renting. Yeah, you you have a son um, living at home, I think. Still, yeah, I have a son. Yeah, I mean, we're back to that now. Um, uh, you know, the the thing is, that was the Ireland of the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s, and if you know, there was ample. Um, I suppose, recognition that that was not a good position to be in, having your adult children living at home. Yeah. You also have a youngster with a disability, and have, even giving yeah. him a treat now. Yeah, well, I mean, everything has gone up, and I don't blame people, because they're all paying their ESB bills, and, the, you know, there's shortages with staff, and there's a whole lot. Um, but, you know, we have to keep him going as well. So, and So he... Like, we've cut back on everything that we can cut back. And I don't drive because I'm waiting for the cataract surgery. Um, so, you know, we've Take, no dryer. Taking your young we've no... for an ice cream, like, that's gone more yeah. expensive. Those things have gone expensive. You're looking at what used to cost seven euro for, like, a tea and a scone and two two teas and scones or whatever is now nine euro or 12 euro. Yeah. You know, and it all starts to accumulate but the the biggest thing for me and I think you know there's a lot of people can relate to this because I'm of the generation where you know my children I expected my children to grow up and you are too PJ like we expected our children to grow up leave home have a life have a home of their own and that is no longer 
a given. Yeah. And I know many people in this situation and it is so it is so soul destroying really and I really mean soul destroying because you wonder what the future holds not only for yourself mm. and your you know your husband and whatever but you have these children living at home who are really and hidden homelessness well Okay, and we're not take part your, of any of the statistics. Take your and son, the who, take your son is living at home. Let's let's just yeah. bat the ball the other way for a second. Your son is is living at home. Is there space? Is he comfortable? No, I mean, you know, three bedroomed house, unusual circumstances, like with mm. a, a, another potential adult with a disability living at home. Um, it's not. It's like you know, not ideal. Night, no. Sleep. Now doesn't isn't a given in this household. There are lots of of you know unusual circumstances here, and again we're not unusual no, anymore. Not. <laughs> that that's the thing. Like we're actually becoming the norm. Yeah. And the government never addresses any of those issues. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole oh god, like PG. There's a whole load of stuff like. You know, even if you're talking about, you were talking about the Greens there. Like, you're talking about when people are living at home and trying to cut back, you know, and they are not, you know, if there's public transport is another issue. If you're living, you know, depending on where you're living, you must have access to a good public transport network. We don't have that, mm. even in our cities. You well, it's very patchy. You can't rely on public yeah, transport a, anymore. Yeah. You, actually, you never could in the first place. So we need to totally revamp that if we want people to be able to live in apartments at any location, you know, unless you live close to your, your workplace now, yeah. you can't be guaranteed it, otherwise you're in a car um, and you're perpetuating that whole cycle. Yeah, so there, yeah, there are so many so many things loading expense on, on the average ordinary family, uh, Joanne. Thank you, because I have other people to get to and for no reason other than time, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to talk to D who's struggling as well with, with the cost of living. That meeting is coming up uh, next next week. The date and time I'll give you again once I look it up. Coming up next week at the Metropole. It, but people are struggling. Right, left and centre. Thanks, Joanne. I'll talk to you next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork. 96 FM. D, you are a mum of two young kids. You have my sympathies, woman. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Struggles at the moment, isn't there? Well, do you know what now, PJ? I, yeah, we had a bit of a scare there after Christmas where um, there was um, repairs needed to the roof of our house. Yes. And we were getting quotes there from builders for €10,000 that weren't covered under house insurance. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there was a bit of a panic there after Christmas. We had engineers the whole lot in looking at the roof and apparently it turns out, luckily, it's not as bad as what it was, uh, what they were saying. But, yeah, we had a um, few things break down in the house, like television, two televisions went, a fridge. So, look, we're lucky, we're, we're managing. I, I took some preemptive measures there, you know, I fixed my mortgage few months back I got mm-hmm. good advice from a friend of mine um, but my heart goes out to people that every month are looking at the rates going up and up look I'm lucky I, 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 you know I, I, I've taken some measures I've kind of got my house wrapped we're not cold mm-hmm. but I can understand why people are scared right now you know yeah you, you, you've you cut know? back on your gas How, like yeah what sacrifices you have to make gas. for that yeah, well, look, last, I, I, do you know, like with the electric girl, and now you can go online and you can see this year versus last year. 2022, we used 40% less gas than 2021, mm. um, but our bills are nearly the same. Yeah. Um, things now like um, going out with the kids, like the minute you go out the door with the two kids, 50 euro gone. That's right. The minute you go out the door, minimum 50 euro. By the time you get something to eat, they might pick up a magazine, get them an ice cream. So, like, we've been locked down for two to three years. The children have suffered enough. And now we're kind of locked down because we actually are afraid to go out what, what yeah. it's going to cost us. That's the thing, Dee. You're, you're reflective of so many people who are, like you said, you're getting by. You're paying your bills. You have enough to eat. The house is warm. But that's the limit of it. You have no, you have no life. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I, 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 I rang a friend of mine yesterday. I said, look, we go down to Costa today and we'll have a cup of co- uh, coffee and a chat. And she turned around to me and said, I can't afford it. Yeah. So I said, look, I'll treat you to a cup of coffee. Coffee you know, and maybe a, a muffin. Yeah, and, and she can't afford that. And this is probably someone who, yeah, your bills are paid, your house is warm, your kids are fed, everyone's got clothes on their back, but you can't afford the simple pleasure of coffee and a muffin with your pal. There's something wrong there. And PJ, like a lot of people, like with the five, remember the 5K kilometre um, restrictions during lockdown? People are kind of even back to that now because we can't go away for big, like, you know, days out. You're wondering about diesel in the car, you know? So you're, we're in another kind of lockdown, even if it's in our own heads, you know? I'd go out with, it with a mate of mine. No, we, we, would, we wouldn't do it often. We're getting a bit old for it. But, like, we'd go out and it would be a skite. Let's, let's not put a tooth in it. Like, it would be a skite. But we haven't done it for months because can't justify the money. Mm. And we're both fellas yeah. in good jobs, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I know. And that, that's, and like this, as the, what the Greens are doing there now in the summer, PJ, the kids are going to be off for the whole summer. So, like, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to stay in our houses? And they're refusing people then help in the summer as well. The summer is a very expensive time to have kids. Well, well, what they've house. said, and let's be, we will, I will be balanced about it, but at the same time, I'm wondering, Eamon, are you mad? Like, they say the most vulnerable families should be protected. None of us are going to disagree with that. They say do it through social welfare for those who are living on social welfare. None of us will disagree with that. But families like you and families like me, but families like you in particular, like we've two, we've two, two working. Like, you could use another couple of quid off your lecky in May, could you? Of course I could, yeah. yeah. Like, if, one of my friends said to me, she's actually logging on to Electric girl more than she's logging on to Facebook, now monitoring her usage. These are just some examples. It's very sad. Like, there's people out there now, like single uh, parent families. I know one girl, um, she had to, she was she, uh, declared insolvent last year. She had to have all these goings uh, to and from with the banks to agree and um, to kind of make an arrangement that she could afford. She had two ill children. She's a lone parent. And they came up with this figure that she could afford. 
Um, and now they're after putting it up to an extra 200 a month due to the hikes. And they're possibly looking at another two hikes. So she's at her wit's end thinking, how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. And like, PJ, that's why I'm going into this meeting on Monday. I, like, I'm not really into politics. I never have been. But like in the past, I've listened to Padder and he's just so kind of like, you know, common sense. So mm-hmm. I'm going in for a bit of reassurance because, OK, I'm, I'm coping now. But like all it takes is one thing, like the roof going, that that can throw a family over the edge. There's so the thing. You, thought, you yeah. thought you were in trouble with your roof in January. And it was something not covered on the house insurance. Yeah. And you'd have been yeah. going, would you have gone to the credit union? Where would you have gone? Bank of Dad. Yeah, you see. <laughs> Do you know? And like... Dad is going, where am I going to get it? Credit union. <laughs> yeah, so like, it's like, um, like homeowners are in a real pickle because like if you were in like social housing, you could ring the corporation to come out and like you might be waiting, but at least, you know, but like homeowners are like me said, if there's any work to be done, you have to go and do it yourself. You know, so I'm lucky I fixed my mortgage when I did. Oh, I yeah. don't have to stress. I did it, mine the know. other day and I went, yes, I'm sorted now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so that's one thing off my mind. But it's just other things like, PG, you just don't know where the next bill is coming from. I have to replace the tyres in the car. Do you know, it's going to cost a couple of hundred euro. Do you know, there's just things like that and you're, yeah. you think you're doing okay and then something comes out unexpectedly. And that's it. So if, if, it. if it's like, that I'm only just myself. So imagine all the other families yeah. out there where they're, as I said, lone parents or sick, sick children or... Yeah. Well, no, well, so your, example, your example, your example, Dee, while ago was, was perfect. Here, here's your your friend, who you'd meet for coffee and a, and a muffin. Yeah. And yes, they've got enough to eat. Their bills are paid. Their house is warm. Their kids are fed and clothed. They, they, they've got all, all that sorted. But they can't afford to beat you for coffee and a muffin. Something. I know. Up, and to, something to up there. Like, it's like I can't afford it. Like how how embarrassing is that for the poor woman? Like? I know. I know. Leave it there for now, Dee. Thank you very much. 0818 96 96 96. Let me pop to MABS, the Money, Advice and Budgeting Services. Ursula Collins is their regional manager in South Munster. I guess the first thing to say, Ursula, because it's one of the myths, because I knew someone who used to work with your organisation. You don't give people money, but you will help people with their finances. Good morning. That's right. Good morning, PJ. Um, yes, we do not um, give out uh, funds. Uh, however, we are here to help people to uh, manage their own uh, finances and we are completely free and confidential service. Um, I think your previous caller there, Dee, really hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, she has taken a number of measures there to put herself in a in a, a good position to face what we're all facing at the moment with the cost of living, etc. Um, but she also mentioned that you know she's just one or two unanticipated bills away yeah. from potential problems. Yeah. And clearly, you know, a very sensible person has done energy efficiency measures, etc. Changed to fixed rate on her mortgage, um, has taken all of their sensible measures. But like the majority of people coming into Mabs now, uh, they're working people who. Who are simply unable to make ends meet with the rises across the board. If you look at, I'm sure you know, the great John Lowe, Money Doctors, John always says, try to keep three months' wages in the yeah. bank for an emergency, yeah. which yeah. is absolutely sage advice. It but, is. But who can do that in, the, in these times? 
Exactly. And unfortunately, I think with a short term hit on your finances, uh, having that reserve, you know, something like, you know, a car breaking down or, uh, you know, the washing machine going in the house and unanticipated bill coming in, having that three month reserve is very uh, sound advice. But unfortunately, we've been coping with increases now for the last two years at least and no sign of them abating. There's another thing, too, I think, if if you are a well-paid person, yes, this is affecting everybody. If you're a well-paid person, though, you're in a position where you may have a line of credit that you can get your hands on. But someone on an average industrial wage or less, a minimum wage, they won't have the line of credit that someone further up the pay ladder will have. That's right. And people um, may have, uh, may be tempted to try to avail of other credit or maybe using uh, some of the regulated credit systems such as the catalogue companies, etc., who charge extremely high interest rates, or they may be tempted to go to unregulated um, credit providers. And there, again, they're leaving themselves exposed. Money, money to, lenders you're talking about. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. PJ. So someone, uh, so, so someone comes to you, Ursula, oh. and sits in front of your desk, and I'm sure you, you have people coming into you in tears. I've no doubt that you do. What, what do you do for them? Yeah, well, certainly uh, the emotional side of the work that we do is is always there. And I think our advisors are always very sympathetic and very conscious when someone comes into them that that person ha- is probably at the end of their tether when they make that call or they come into us. So that's a very important element of what we do to reassure people that we can provide support. We are free and confidential, fully qualified financial advisors. We look at the, the budget. Um, we look at their outgoings, we will advise them about consolidating their current outgoings and we look at also income maximisation. So, for example, you know, with the rental stuff from DAF that's been in the press this week, um, availing of the uh, €500 credit the government announced last year, um, looking at other options uh, such as, uh, you know, the the other schemes that are available under revenue. We also have access to all of the utility companies' emergency line. So if anyone's experiencing difficulties there, um, we have a direct line of communication to the utilities company. And tell me, Ursula, is it true, because I did hear this once, is it true that, and let's use me as the example, if I'm yeah. struggling with a utility yeah. and I come to you and I say, Ursula, I'm afraid they'll, they'll, they'll cut me off. I can only give them, I owe them a, we say I owe them a thousand euro. I yeah. only have 200. I'm afraid they'll cut me off. Do you, because I'm dealing with MABs, does that give you a certain amount of negotiation power with them? It does. We would certainly have established relationships with uh, the utilities companies, with creditors, with banks, etc., where we are a trusted intermediary. So if someone comes in to us, we can support you to make those calls or we can make those calls on your behalf. If you're facing disconnection, if you have a disconnection notice, we have uh, a direct lines to their emergency uh, call call centre where we can access and discuss with them a payment plan for you. Might I suggest that sometimes you'd have to give people or say to people things that they don't want to hear? Like you might have to say to them, do you really need both of you to have a mobile? Yep, sometimes, um, you know, we could be looking, let's say a typical example, might be, yeah, five 
streaming services coming into a home, we will suggest that maybe you might reduce that. But we're always here. We're not judgmental. We'll make a suggestion and a recommendation. And it's up to you which elements of the advice that we give that that you take. But we'll make the best, we'll give you the best advice possible to get on top of your financial situation. The help is there. You have a helpline. It's 0818 07 2000. Ursula, thank you very much for being with me. Ursula Collins, Regional Manager for MABS, Money Advice and Budgeting Service. They will not give you money, but they will give you advice and they will intervene with the people to whom you owe money. Uh, their helpline 0818 07 2000. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Hawks 96 FM. And following that Welsh rugby story with some interest, there could be a strike like in the middle of the Six Nations. It's never I came across a podcast, the great Nigel Owens, who now, of course, has retired from international refereeing. The great Nigel Owens has done a, he's doing a podcast called Whistle Watch. And it's only about 10 or 12 minutes, but he does it now after every weekend in the Six Nations. And he goes through the decisions that we all talked about. He does it in 10 minutes. He does it in his own brilliant way. For example, he's finally convinced me James Lowe's try should not have been allowed. Unfortunately, it should not have been allowed. And also, he has completely convinced me that the the yellow card should have been a red. Um, I was kind of convinced of it anyway, but it's worth a look. It's your crystal watch, Nigel Owens. It's fantastic if you're a rugby fan at the Six Nations at the moment. 0818 96 96 96. Yesterday, we were talking about people missing from Cork. This is the 30th anniversary this week is the 30th anniversary of the disappearance of Frank Blackie McCarthy. And that started our conversation yesterday, but we went into a lot of detail. Fifteen people are missing since the early 80s, or the late 80s, rather, from Cork. And we were talking about that. But there's an international, it has gone international now, missing persons story in the UK, which is quite fascinating because it is getting more mysterious with every passing day. I speak of the disappearance of Nicola Bully. She's a mum of two, she's 45, and she just went missing into thin air, seems to have vanished out for a walk on the 27th January near her home in Lancashire. She lives in a particularly beautiful part of Britain and she just dropped off her two little kids from school. She'd gone for a walk with her dog. Uh, She had a Fitbit on her because she was a regular walker with her dog and she kept up to date with her Fitbit. She took a meeting with her employers while she was out on a walk, which is something she, she did quite frequently apparently. And then she vanished. And her dog was found and there's no sign of her since. And there's been a development in the last 24 hours that takes it down another road. I want to hook up with a man called Oliver Whitfield Miocic. I hope I've got the name right, fella. You're a correspondent with Talk TV. You've been covering this extensively and spending a lot of time in that part of Britain. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. 
Now, this is a fascinating story. Uh, one reporter to another, Oliver. It's, it's gripping. Go through it to date. Have I got the timeline right? Have I left anything out? No, you've got the timeline absolutely right. Nicola was doing a walk that apparently she had done thousands of times before. She dropped the kids off at school. She took the dog out to the local fields. As she's walking, she's spotted by two other dog walkers. Then her phone is found. You know, there's a critical 10-minute period between 9.10 in the morning and 9.20. Her phone is then found 10 or so minutes later. Uh, the dog lead has found, the dog is found near where the phone was by this bench. And that's when this investigation kicks off. But it's been now 20 days since she went missing. And people have got, in some cases, more questions than what they've got answers. Yeah. The, 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 the running theory of the police is that she fell into the river. Isn't that right? Yes. So the police believe that Nicola fell into this very slow moving river called the River Wire and that because of the length of time that it has been without anything being found, that she's now been swept out to the Irish Sea. They believe that that is the most likely place that that is where they're going to find her. So they're focusing all of their efforts on the Irish Sea. But as part of this river search, they brought in an independent expert. He then criticised the police investigation saying that he was sure that Nicola wasn't in the water. Now, this is a Mr. Mr. Folding. Believe. He's a, a forensic search diver. He does this for a living. He's now fully convinced she's not in the river or never was. Am I right there? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. But the family say that there is no chance that Nicola has fallen into the water. So there is a, a huge schism between what the police are saying, what this independent search expert saying, what the family also believe so for the past i'd say 15 days the police have been putting a lot of emphasis on this river theory but then in yesterday's press conference they came out to say actually they've been keeping an open mind altogether this is after the force had been criticized for maybe putting too much emphasis emphasis on the river theory that they are keeping an open mind that there are two other hypotheses. One, that there was third-party involvement, although they highly, highly doubt that that is the case. But someone's snatched another one. Yeah, yeah or, or, or something untoward has happened, potential, potential murder. But the police keep stress. They do not believe that is probable. And then the third hypothesis, that Nicola has walked away from the scene either by herself or with somebody else down a path which has had no CCTV on it. Um, but the, the, one of the, the really interesting things about this case is because nobody's been arrested, because there's no crime scene, it's pretty much open season. You know, there's no laws in the UK that prevent people from speculating or yes. commentating. Yes. So Twitter, TikTok, YouTube has been awash with theories and baseless accusations. The village has been overrun with people filming all of this for TikTok, running into people's properties, into abandoned buildings, accusing caravan park owners of having something to do with it when they 100% didn't. So it's 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 just turned into this sort of mad social media circus. Yes. And all the while, Nicola's partner, her sister, mum and dad, the two young daughters are desperate for any information. It's it's so sad. And, you know, as, as people like you and me who, who do this job professionally, watching amateur hour, stirring up all kinds of speculation. It's, it's infuriating to, to see it. There was a press conference yesterday, Oliver, um, 
And it was revealed that she was classed as a vulnerable person, that she had some problems with alcohol. And did I read that there had been a welfare call on her house a couple of days before she went missing? Yes, that's right. So the context to the press conference, it had been over a week since the police had updated the press about what had happened. And given the amount of huge public interest in this case, we'd been putting in calls every day for them to give us some sort of update. So they came to the update and the whole meaning of the press conference was for them to clarify some of the misunderstandings around the case. They wanted to show people just how big an investigation it was. And yet, during this press conference, the senior investigating officer has revealed that Nicola had alcohol issues emanating from the fact that she had early onset menopause. Mm. Then the senior investigating officer was asked, what are these specific vulnerabilities? And she refused to say anything. But because the police have been telling people not to speculate the whole time, it was very contradictory for them to put out half yeah. bits of information and then yeah. expect people not to speculate. Yeah. I saw your so report last night, actually. You said exactly that on Talk TV last night. You were saying exactly that. Don't tell us to think one way. Don't tell us to pursue one line of inquiry effectively and then throw out something that the whole world can grab onto. Yeah, and so then the police had to come back and they had to re- reveal this information, but that has proven highly controversial. Already we've had two MPs criticising the police for re- revealing what is really personal information, especially at a time when one of the hypotheses is that Nicola could have walked away. You know, if Nicola popped back up, how is she going to feel about all of these personal medical bits of information being put out about her? In the last 40 minutes, we've had the shadow Home Secretary, Yvette Cooper, who is the shadow Interior Minister. She is basically calling for more questions to be put to the government and to the Home Office. So, it's 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 honestly it's a baffling case it's tragic because the family are the ones that are really getting dragged through all of this and uh, yeah people are none the wiser one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you and specifically ali is because you're spending as any good reporter does you're spending a lot of time on the ground what is your journalistic nose telling you here i think it's do uh, you know what to Oh, you're putting us on the spot a little bit. I think the police have come to their conclusions maybe a little bit too quickly, and the communication strategy has been has been wrong. I think by telling people that she was in the river, it may have stopped certain people coming forward with information. Mm. I think if they played it a little bit more open, usually with these type of things in the UK, they say we've got a number of uh, theories that we're working on, we're keeping an open mind. Yes. And you sort of keep it very broad brush strokes. Yes. Now... Something something cops say all the time is we're following a number of lines of inquiry. I, I went looking for that line. I didn't see it. Yeah, and then by having to come back and reiterate that they've got an open mind and then go through their other hypothesis, I think it's really put them on the back foot. Uh, The community are are just, you know, they're anxious. A, a lot of women that we speak to say that they're worried about their personal safety in case something has happened to Nicola. They are upset definitely about the social media element of it because – They feel like their village is being overrun. They've had to bring in a private security firm. So you've got bouncers walking around the village at 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night trying to play cat and mouse with these TikTok and and YouTube users. 
And, you know, they, they just want to see one of their residents come back safe and sound. But it, as the days go on, you do start to see that lingering doubt. You know, it's, it's been now 20 days yeah. and the statistics show the longer you're away, the less likely it is that you're going to be found. Yeah, and I'm, I keep coming back to, and again, you interviewed him and I've seen some interviews with him, Peter Folding, this forensic search diver. He is convinced she's not in the river. Yep, he is convinced that she's not in the river. He says that he's been using what well, he says is very advanced sonar scanning equipment, and it basically gives you a very clear picture of the bottom of the river. He's been in the area where the police say that she is missing. He's been upstream of that area, and then he's been four miles downstream. And he says, because the river was flowing so slowly, it's very unlikely that she would have moved even more than a few meters of where you, of where a person drowns. Uh, because the river is tidal in parts, but mm. at the moment the tide is very low. There's very shallow parts where a body would have snagged, so he says that's very unlikely. Mm. But yesterday he appeared on our program and he said that he was not told by the police about these so-called vulnerabilities. And if he had have been told about the police uh, about this from the police, he would have completely changed his search parameters, the way that he went out carrying that search. So. There's a lot, there's so much to this story to unpack. You've got the family grief, the family worry, you've got Nicola missing, you've got social media, you've got this independent search expert putting in his two pence, you've got potential police communication failures, and then sort of a nation gripped at every twist and turn at what happens. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a piece here in one of the papers, I, I'm not certain which paper this is from, Fergal, you might tape it up there if you have it for me. Dive expert who led the hunt for Nicola said police never told him she was battling alcohol issues and he could have searched differently if he'd known. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's... Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> Because usually when police bring in independent experts, certainly on the cases that I've worked, there is an understanding that all communications will come through the police. The uh, independent experts are there to provide their expertise, but they're not there to sort of hold their own press conferences. And that's certainly something that we have seen from Peter Folding. So that's literally half an hour old, that that headline from the, from the, the mail's website about a half an hour ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Oliver, you, I, I think you're, again, one reporter to another. This has gripped you. you. You want to stay with this and see and see where it leads, don't you? You do want to stay with it because when you start to realise all of the intricacies and all of the, the sort of relationships that there are between the village and, and, and how it all works, you, you just sort of want to see exactly how this is going to end. But also... There's a bigger role here for the journalist, which is holding the police to account. Yeah. And, you know, we've been trying for the past few days to get the police and crime commissioner to, to comment on this because the police and crime commissioner in England is an independently elected quasi-politician. He is paid a pretty handsome sum. You know, in, in this part of, of England, he is on almost two and a half times the regional average salary. And yet we've heard nothing from him since Nicola went missing despite repeated requests, he's refusing to do interviews. And so we're, we're really wanting to hold everybody to account to make sure that the processes are going as, as good as possible. But at the moment, we're sort of being hit by a wall of silence. Then when we do get a press conference, the police seem to score an own goal. Yeah. A question that you may be able to answer, it's just a detail of the day she went missing. And it was one that occurred to me, and I couldn't find a reference to it, her dog, Willow, was found. 
Uh, did, was the dog, does anyone know, Ollie, in any kind of distress or did the dog appear to be troubled in any way? Because dogs, if if something happens to an owner, dogs are the first sign. So apparently Willow was marching backwards and forwards between a metal gate and where the dog lead was on the floor. The dog was found completely bone dry. So a lot of people have said... If I had fallen into the water and my dog was on the riverbank, it would have jumped in, especially because this was a cocker spaniel. And oh. people are saying cockers, that is, what, that is what cocker spaniels do. They love water. Yes. They're not afraid of going into water. Other people are saying, actually, I've got a dog and it's a bit terrified of water and it would stand on the side. But, yeah, there's, there's, I think this is another reason that this story resonates with so many people is because not only is Nicola a mother, not only is she just dropped off her kids at school, which is what, you know, millions of us do every day. She's a dog walker. So that appeals to another section of society. Um, it's it, it's it's just my head sort of wants to explode at times trying yeah. to comprehend everything yeah. that's going on here. Well, I'm glad that we were able to talk to you this morning. It, it is a fascinating story. It's a desperately sad story. And we should always remember that at the at the back of this is a, is a family that's confused and frightened and lost and hurting. We should never forget that. No, 100%. The, the, the major thoughts go out with the family, but also go out with all of the missing people. So as you touched upon there on your introduction, in the UK, there's more than 100,000 people that go missing every year. Hardly anybody gets this level of media coverage. And so I've been contacted by families who've had men go missing and they're complaining that, you know, men never get this same sort of coverage. Um, people from... Black, Asian, minority, ethnic backgrounds getting in touch to say, can you please highlight the case of my missing family member? And so it, I think it's it's part of a wider conversation that we've got to have as the media as to how do we make sure that this is fairer and maybe not as sensational as what we've seen over the past few days. All right. I thank you for your time. Uh, enjoyed our conversation. Oliver Whitfield Miocic, he's a correspondent with Talk TV in the UK. He's on Twitter. And he puts up a lot of his videos uh, if you can't get Talk TV, which you can actually if you go looking for it on the, the Sky and, and the Free Chat, you'll, you'll get that. But uh, he's a very, very detailed correspondent with them and he's covering this story since since day one. Thank you for your time, Oliver. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Now, have you ever been love bombed? I think if you look back over your life and your relationships and how they started, we've all been kind of a little bit love bombed in the first, you know, couple of weeks or months of a relationship where you, you can't see or hear enough of the new person and it it settles down then into its into its own pattern. But love bombing has changed over the years and now it's risen to a point where it can be very creepy and red flag. Behaviour. Women's Aid have a campaign uh, underway at the moment and indeed they run a quiz on uh, a website uh, to see are you being love bombed and is it creepy and should you be taking red flags from it? And Mary Hayes from Women's Aid joins me. Mary, good morning. Good morning. The early stages of a new relationship are a bit like that. So, so when do you start thinking of red flags? 
Yeah, so I suppose it can feel really exciting at the start of a relationship, you know, when uh, the person you're going out with wants to spend all their time with you. They might, um, you know, buy you gifts, take you out to dinner, things like that. Um, But really, when the line... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When it's crossed, it's when you feel like you can't say no to their affection and attention or you feel under pressure to move faster in the relationship than you're comfortable with. So really it's about a a pattern um, where your partner will kind of paint themselves as this uh, perfect boyfriend or girlfriend but really there's um, I suppose manipulation and coercion behind that. You have a a quiz uh, 2 and it's been taken almost 20,000 times since you launched it in November. What have you found from those results? Yeah, so the relationship quiz is, I suppose, a test to kind of see where your relationship is at, if it's healthy or unhealthy. Um, And since it was launched back in November, uh, it's been taken almost 20,000 times. Um, And what we found has been really, really shocking. So almost 16,000 people said that uh, their partner has threatened to share explicit or intimate images or videos of them. 16,000 of them. Yeah. um, And, you know, that would be very reflective of, you know, the research that we've done as well around this kind of coercive behaviour. And it's really shown that it's become quite normalised. And I think people don't realise that, you know, it's not only um, a crime now in Ireland to share intimate images or videos of someone without their consent. The threatening to share those intimate images or videos is also now a crime because what that says is, you know, this is coercive control. It yeah. says if you, you know, break up with me or we do break up and you don't get back together with me, I will share those images. So really what that is, is it's a form of image based um, sexual abuse. Mm. And um, images another, taken that you didn't know about. Yeah, that can happen as well. You know, um, it can either be things that were shared, you know, consensually um, during the relationship or um, we would have uh, here quite often 
in our you know one-to-one services and on the helpline um, that people will have images or videos taken of them without without their prior knowledge which can be really frightening that's one of the examples of love bombing behavior what are others um, so, you know, I think around Valentine's Day, we would have um, seen probably a lot of examples of love bombing. So say, for example, if your partner, you know, brings you out to dinner, something very simple. But then later on in the evening, you know, they pressure you um, into sexual activities that you're not comfortable with. Um, and really what that is, is that is a lack of consent. So in an abusive relationship, it can be really hard to kind of... Um, you know, work through, um, I suppose, sexual situations, especially if you feel like you're under pressure, you feel like you owe them or that you're being guilted into it. Yeah, yeah. Red flags that people to to watch for. There's a lot of information on your, your website about that and people can take the quiz for themselves. That was a shocking statistic, though. Out of 20,000 that took the, the quiz, 16,000 said they were worried about images. That That's the one that jumps out of the page for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some of the other statistics are also quite shocking. So over um, 12,500 said their partner demands to look through their phone and, you know, uh, wants to know all their uh, passwords to social media, things like that. And that can seem quite normal in a relationship, you know, to know your partner's passwords. But if your partner is demanding yeah. to know who you're talking to, you know, what your conversations are, where where you are all the time, things like that, that really shows that, you know, they don't trust you. No, respect your privacy. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely it shows that they, they don't respect your right to privacy and that, you know, they want to have control over who you're spending time with, mm. who you're talking to. Like I'll, be, like I'll, I'll be married 29 years in, in June and I don't know my wife's password. Well, that would be a really, a, you know, a healthy sign because yeah. it shows trust in the relationship. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do with with the campaign as well is not just to draw attention to the red flags, but to show the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationships. Because, you know, everyone deserves to have a happy and healthy relationship. And often when you're in these situations, it can be hard to, you know, spot that what you're going through is abuse because abuse is, you know, it's a pattern. It happens slowly over time. And um, really, we want people to understand the difference between healthy and unhealthy behaviours because so often they can fly under the radar. So really, it's about empowering yourself with that information. So where can people, two, two questions to finish, Mary, where can people take the quiz? And if they're concerned, where can they reach out for a bit of help? Yeah, so uh, they can visit the website tointou.ie. So that's the words tointou. Um, and we have a relationship quiz there. We have information on red flags. We also have information on, you know, how to help a friend if you're worried about them, um, because it's always important to check in on our friends, especially if they're feeling very isolated. Um, also, you can phone the Women's Aid 24-hour national uh, helpline, and it's a free phone helpline on 18... 18- it's 1800 341 900. And also on the 2 into You website, we have a free and confidential chat service. And that's there, you know, if you're worried about your own relationship or a friend's relationship. And then finally to say, you know, there's also um, local services in Cork um, that you can reach out to. So there's the Cork Domestic Violence Project. Um, there's Ku and Lee. So if you just Google Cork Domestic Violence, a number of services will come up there as well. All right. Good to speak with you. Uh, and good to have you on the programme. Mary Hayes of Women's Aid. Their number, 
should you need to contact them for help is 1-800-341-900. I'm actually watching um, Happy Valleys. We're late to the party with uh, Happy Valleys, uh, me and the Queen Bee. Um, we're into season two now. And, uh, well, we are huge fans of Sarah Lancashire. She's just sublimely brilliant, again, in this. But there's an there's an, a storyline, which I won't spoil for you. There's a storyline in season two of Happy Valleys, which involves um, these images. Uh, and it results in um, a big plot twist. I have been a Madonna fan since the days of Borderline, Physical Attraction, Holiday, her really early, early stuff. I remember going to Golden Discs in the Pirate Radio days to buy my records on a Friday and Michelle would be in there and she'd have the latest Madonna for me and the woman just got better and better and better with every song. And she was, not only was she brilliant, she was gorgeous. And to this day, she's the one major pop act that I haven't ever seen and would love to see. And I'm a fan to this day, no matter what she does. And I'm still a fan. And I'm even bigger fan after her statement the other night about what happened at the Grammys. We'll talk about that next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM the Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You make me feel Every year we speak to people touched by cancer. So if you've got a story to tell, we'd love you to get in touch. Simply email radiothon at 96fm.ie to find out more. The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You make you make me feel Only on Cork's 96FM It's actually 40 years ago this summer since Madonna lit up our summer with uh, two songs in particular but there was a couple of others there was Borderline and there was Holiday and Lucky Star and Physical Attraction Emma says I love Madonna too she's some woman for one woman a single mum of six and she's about to embark on a world tour at the age of 64 she's incredible and no Irish date yet Madge, if you happen to be listening. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. But she she issued a statement on Instagram after she presented the award to Sam Smith and Kim Petras at the Grammys. She said, instead of focusing on what I said in my speech, many people chose to only talk about close up photos of me taken with a long lens camera by a press photographer that would distort anybody's face. Once again, I'm caught in the glare of ageism and misogyny that permeates the world we live in. A world that refuses to celebrate women past the age of 45 and feels the need to punish her if she continues to be strong-willed, hard-working and adventurous. I've never apologised for any of the creative choices I've made, nor the way I look, nor the way I dress, and I'm not going to start. In the words of Beyoncé, you won't break my soul. I look forward to many more years of pushing boundaries standing up to the patriarchy and most of all enjoying my life. Bow down bitches. And I goes, yes girl. Yes match. Because I love her. And I still do. And I would love to see her live. Cadet Sheridan, you've been writing about this uh, in, in the Echo. Morning to you. Morning TJ. She has a point, doesn't um, she? 
She, um, I don't. I think she's actually very much a victim of what she's protesting about. She gives out about um, the focus on her looks, but she has mutilated her fa- or had her face kind of mutilated by cosmetic surgery mm. in order to look unfeasibly young. I mean, why doesn't she just carry wear her her lines that like the rest of us do and you know be proud of having got this far in life? Um, I just think that she is giving into the patriarchy. <laughs> But I mean, look yeah. at Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart's 78. There's nobody going to tell me he hasn't had a touch-up or two. Nobody. Yeah, there's no focus on men, though. I mean, you get the grisly types, like the grisly-looking old guys like Mick Jagger and Iggy Pop. There's no focus on their looks. Rod True. Stewart, um, you don't get columnists writing about True. what he's done to his face. Women are under pressure to mm. look well, particularly stars and you know, it's a tough old business, I suppose, and it's it's, it's hard. Maybe it's hard to grow old. It's hard to grow old if you're, you know, sort of you started your career appealing to youth culture um, and made your career based on, well, obviously how she sang and everything, but also how she looked. And um, mm. she just is, doesn't seem to be able to let go of the fact that she's no longer that that yeah. young woman. Yeah, you know? she she seems she seems to to hanker for her youth when she was, without a question or doubt, one of the most gorgeous women on the planet. Um, and I imagine at sixty-four, if she hadn't, if she hadn't done what she has done to her face, and look, it's her own business what she wants to. She probably still would be a beautiful woman. But is it, is it that she feels she can't age naturally in the world in which she's in? Yeah, she she must feel that. She must feel that she won't have the same kind of agency um, as an older woman that she would have had in her, what, 20s or 30s. Um, It's kind of a pressure that she's bowing down to. But, I mean, if you look at the likes of, say, Sarah Jessica Parker, who's been photographed a lot lately, she has kind of let her hair go grey. She's been photographed without makeup. She doesn't look like she's had cosmetic surgery. And she gets a rough time online for how she's looking. Some women praise her and are relieved, of course, relieved that you can permission to look your age mm. but Madonna doesn't seem to uh, be confident to show off mm. what she looks like au natural you know well, Tina Turner is 83 and, yeah. and still Amazing. looks fantastic And but she's had yeah. work too you wonder, you wonder why do, do women feel the need to have the work well I suppose they're acclimatised to the male gaze they're expected to um, be hot. I think Madonna has this thing that she has to be kind of a sexy gal all the time. And that's a bit draining really when you're sort of heading for your mid-60s, you know. Grace Jones is is another fabulous woman who is, and clearly has had some work done. It it is unfortunate, but then again, Clint, we live in a world where there are girls in their 20s and 30s here in Cork having Botox and fillers done every few months. It is sad. It's very sad. It's, it's crazy. I mean, those young girls um, throwing money at doing things to their faces that are completely unnecessary and they're developing a habit that will last a lifetime and that will eventually look absolutely appalling. If You know, they're going around with trout pouts and yeah. um, it's a pressure they're under. It's coming from the media, advertising, mm. youth culture. Yeah. Do you remember another, it's, and she was another great, great character, Joan Rivers? Like poor Joan, oh yeah. half Joan's face. Joan, and she'd sit to herself, God bless her, she, she, she was plastic from the breasts up. 
Yeah, and that's she right, used to yeah. she wrote scripts about it. But she, she didn't need she to died, do that. She died too, you know. She got old and she died. So you that's have right. to accept that. That's too, right. You know? And she died quite suddenly. But Joan, Joan Rivers was a stunning-looking woman without any plastic. Yeah, it's, absolutely. I, and, I, I and Madonna, sh- I, as you say, Madonna's a very beautiful woman, and I'm sure yeah. without the plastic, I'm sure she still w- w- would look very yeah. well, you know. And this is the thing, Claire. As a man in my approaching my middle years or in my middle years, I suppose if I'm honest about it, I don't understand the need of women to do yeah. that. I suppose maybe they're under pressure from their record companies or their directors if they're film stars. Um, well, you see, Madonna would be in the with, position to tell a record company to go and take a long hike off a short cliff, you know? Yeah. She's a uh, I think it's something they, they absorb. I think, I, I, I imagine women get together and admire each other's work and ask to, for recommendations for cosmetic surgeons. But yeah. um, if I was Madonna, I'd be looking for my money back because, you know, it hasn't yeah. done anything for her. In fact, then Then again, women are under pressure to look young. I mean, if you look at Leo, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, now, I think he's just a dirty old man at this stage. He's 48, going out with a 19-year-old. Uh, like, you know? Yeah. You know, that's well, yeah, you get men who can't accept the fact that women of their own age are on uh, more of an equal footing with them, the same mm-hmm. sort of similar life experience. Why would any man want somebody, you know, three decades younger than him who doesn't have life experience? I, th- who, I might be inclined to think that that's like a, a woman who's more mature, even 10 years more mature, will have seen through Leo and goes, nah, not for me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> men like men. Yeah. Men do like youth. They do like youthfulness. But, but you know, I don't. I, 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 I don't think they like plastic. No, no. It's very strange. Um, I, I, it is very strange. It's a very strange phenomenon. Um, yeah, and Madonna, like, I mean, she kind of having been criticised. She came out with, I thought, a fairly kind of ridiculous statement. She said, I have been degraded by the media since the beginning of my career, but I understand that this is all a test and mm. I am happy to do the trailblazing so that all the women behind me yeah. I'm glad can you have an easier time. Because I remember the press photo. I remember being, I was a working DJ in the, in the nightclubs and the pirate radio stations back when she was making the name for herself. And every picture was more provocative than the one before. But even That's then, right. even then I knew, like... They're released in her full knowledge. No one took that picture at a photo shoot and said, oh, sneak that one out now, she'll never notice. Mm, mm. So she managed all that. Superstars manage their own publicity. People should never forget that. Yeah, she created her own image. Um, But this thing about trailblazing, yeah, I mean, okay, great. She's a very successful woman in, in an industry that can be quite misogynistic. She made a lot of money. She created a lot of headlines. But trailblazing in terms of what she did for other women, I'm not sure really. Um, a kind of a tarty look and a mediocre voice. I think somebody once described oh, her as minimize on helium. Now now you're crossing the <laughs> now you're crossing lines with me. <laughs> Oh well, my! Maybe that's on, no, well, I mean, let's face it. You know, um. <laughs> you're talking about someone who's been a fan since holiday. Yeah, <laughs> I was a fan of hers as well, but I've kind of got tired of her now at this stage. Um, yeah. She should just hang up her fishnets and go quietly into the night. Do you think so? I, I mean, I'm disgusted. Oh, yeah. There isn't an Irish date on the tour yet. Yeah, could you imagine her in, in Parky Queen? Yes, I could. Wouldn't it? Yes, I could imagine her yeah. in Parky Queen. I'd, I'd certainly go. I would oh, certainly absolutely. go. Absolutely. Uh, she has some great hits, um, uh, a great career, and um, I just don't understand why she 
insists on trying to look as if she's in her 20s. There is the other thing too, of course, that, that, that you know, statements like this, again, you're talking about someone who's been in the business for, for many, many years. She knows exactly how to get the focus on herself. Well, I think in this in this instance, photographed at the Grammys with that that look, I think she was out of control there. I don't think that those uh, photo opportunities no, were no control even with her permission. No, she yeah. had no control over that. You you do when you when you go to something like the Grammys. There is a press pool. They will take what they want to take, and they will publish what they want to publish. Yeah. 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 Okay. Colette, thank you very much. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I wonder would I. I wonder, would me? I must drop Mr. Aiken a text and see, is there any way he'd get her to the park for a gig? Because it would be great to see. There's a book, in terms of being a star and being a star and being a celebrity and, and why I would always have a certain cynicism and scepticism about, you know, who is actually doing what to whom. It's a great book. You'll, you'll pick it up on Amazon for five or six quid and you drop it to your Kindle or whatever you read from. It's called So You Want to Be a Celebrity, written by a guy called Steve Allen. It's a small little book, short little book. Um, Steve Allen's a journalist, broadcaster, podcaster on the whole celebrity thing, but takes another take, another view on celebrity culture. He's actually hilarious. Actually, he's a rotten old bitch when he gets going, but he's brilliant. But he's written a book called So You Want to Be a Celebrity. It'll change your view forever on how people become celebrities. And those pictures from the early days of Madonna's career, or from anybody's career, like, don't think for a minute that a picture of her back in the day appeared on the paper and she was shocked and horrified. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, don't happen that way. Even with the paparazzi. The paparazzi, there's a fabulous documentary was done, I think by Channel 4, years ago, about the paparazzi and how they work. And most of the stars... They're quietly in league with the Paps. The Paps are their friends. Because the Paps make money out of the pictures and they make publicity out of the pictures. And it's all quite a sleazy little game, anyway. Yeah. 0818 96 96 96. Premier League Live back this weekend at 96am.ie. Trevor Welsh in the chair, Saturday from midday, all part up by Talk Sport. Live coverage of Aston Villa v Arsenal at half 12. Notts Forest v Man City at 3. And Newcastle United taking on Liverpool at 5.30. Premier League Live Online is with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. Listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app. What do you mean you don't have it yet? Get the app or go to 96fm.ie. Just on the operations abroad and people ringing up healthcare abroad on a Sunday and getting a call back on Tuesday and being told, book a flight. That's, that's mad. And then they're going over and they're going through Cork Airport. Someone meets them in Cork Airport, meets them in Alicante. They travel in a wheelchair and they come back on two legs. And and the HSE reimbursed the credit union a couple of months later. That all the heavy lifting is done. It's like it. It almost seems too good to be true, but it's not. It is actually true. Mark says, "Why don't the HSE just pay direct to the Spanish operators?" Some people don't have a credit union account. Some people hate form filling. It just all seems so unnecessary. And another part of a two-tier health system. Mark says, "I'm a Carrigaline lad, done well." I'm a toker boy, done well. But when I was when I was born, we, we lived in toker. 
But thanks, Mark. I was 10 years in Carrigaline. I still do love the place and, and miss it uh, sometimes. But in terms of the HSE paying direct to the operators in Spain, you see, Mark, they'd have to then be admitting that they can't sort it. Paying a credit union with the on receipt of a load of paperwork, that's a way of doing the accounting that just says, well, we got a request from funds from a credit union. All the paperwork was in place, so we paid out the funds. That's that's a nice way to do it and keep your arse clean. But if they were to start paying directly to the hospital in Denia, you'd have a couple of things going on. First of all, that would be an admission that, oh, well, we actually can't do it, so we'll pay the Spanish to do it. And the other thing is, should the Spanish should never get flipping paid? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Leonardo DiCaprio was my hero. Now you've just said he has a 19-year-old girlfriend. Ah, Jesus! Says Noel, I'm gone right off him now. I'm the same age as he is, and if I was Leo, I'd settle for any of the thousands of women throwing themselves at me who are 30 or 35 or closer to his own age. 19? That's a kid, Leo. Good God, man. Says Noel. You're not wrong though, Noel. 19 and he's 48. Like if he was 28 or even 38, he might get away with it, but not, no, not 48. 0818 96 96 96. I'm going to do this now because if I don't, I'll forget it. And that was this ring that got lost in 2012, or was found rather, in 2012. We First, the context of this is we were talking to Harriet uh, on Tuesday about jewellery that she lost in a little purse um, nearly 20 years ago. She told us the whole story of that. I don't think we'd any bites on that particular story. But this came in, and I wanted to go through it again because I gave it sort of a brief mention on the day, and there's more detail, which I didn't give, but because it was so long ago, I don't think there's any danger in giving that detail. I found a wedding ring. This is from Mary. I found a wedding ring in December 2012 in Duns in Colic, I'd organised a bag pack there for a charity that evening when I was counting the money I found a wedding ring at the bottom of the bucket I was doing a clear out of stuff recently and I came across the ring again and on the day that it is that was Valentine's Day I'd love for it to be reunited with its former owner maybe you can help and she sent us some details like I said on the day I held back but you know on reflection we can give these details out. There's a date on it, 17th August 170885. And there were two sets of initials, MA and WOB. And it, there, there's a design on it as well. She sent us a picture, nice little wedding band with a sort of design around it. And at the back, 17 
0885 17th August and it has two sets of initials MA and WOB I accidentally dropped into a charity bucket in Duns in December of 2012 Duns in Balancholic <laughs> you may you may you may you may know you lost it and not wonder, and not know where. Uh, if we could imagine, if we could find M A or W O B, it's a long, long, long shot, but sure we'll see. Thanks, Mary. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. This came up on the show last week. It broke in Cork Bio initially, and we spoke to them, and we spoke to the Independent Workers Union about it. And I would love really love, but he's no longer with us unfortunately, he passed away last year, I would love to have the expertise of the great Richie Grogan to hand here because the question is, I just don't know whether this is legal or not and yesterday it came up in the doll, I'm speaking about the JD Sports story from last week where it's emerged that workers have now to lift their tops and show their tummy to store managers as part of a new search policy. They can have their bags searched, they need to turn out their pockets, push up their sleeves, roll up the legs of their trousers. And the new one, after managers were given a refresher course, is that you have to lift up the layers that you have above your jeans or leggings or whatever you have on you and show them your belly and show them your back and show them that it's all clear and you've not robbed anything. And people were very concerned about it. The chap we spoke to the Independent Workers Union was very concerned about it. Don't know whether it's even legal, but it came up in the doll yesterday. Mick Barry raised it, and he said there was a real power imbalance in it. You can't deny that. Um, he asked the Taoiseach to comment, and the Taoiseach, Leo Bradkar, said he wasn't able to comment because he didn't know all the facts. He said, I prefer not to comment. I'm not aware of the instances. The first I heard of it was now. It may be the case that there's already labour law or other law that covers this area. And I'm just now able to comment on that without knowing all the facts or knowing what the legal position may already be. I would have thought that was quite a fair response, Valerie Conlon, of course, from the Debenhams workers back along. I thought that was a fair response. You didn't think so, Valerie. Good morning. No, good morning, how are you? No, I didn't think so. Um, all right, she probably didn't know all the facts, but at the, at the end of the day, all he had to say was, well, no, I probably don't agree with what's happening. Um, as far as I know, and from what I can remember, the Irish law is different than the English law when it comes to these things. And with the Irish law, with the English law, like the uh, security guard can put his hand into a handbag, for instance, but with the Irish law, they can only put an item like a buyer or something and go through it. They are not, now and I will stand corrected, but they are not allowed to ask anybody to put their tops up. Mm. You know? Fergal's been and, doing some digging and has found that if it's in the contract and the person signed it, and if it's not his intimate, in other words, if there's no touching of any kind, which there isn't, then it's okay. No. It's legally okay. Is But isn't it wrong? Seems. Yeah, but like at the end of the day, right, so you're a young person, you're going in for a job. Mm. They probably told this person that they had the job and then told him what the entailments were. So like that person needs the job. Is he going to say no because of that? Yeah. He's probably, that, that they, could, they, could be, they could be too nervous to say anything about it. As well as that, like people 
are changing their sex changes, whatever, they could be in the middle of that. If they're pulling up their top, they could be embarrassed. They might feel that they're overweight, they're pulling up their top. There's so many reasons, so many reasons for this to be wrong. It's, JD is a British company and it, it is writers. legal in the UK. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One, one would have you know? thought, Valerie, and that they had it legaled. One would hope, not thought, hope that they had it legaled here before they put it in a contract. Well, you see, okay, the, like once an English store comes to Ireland, they don't think of any of th- these things. And I suppose it was the same when Debenhams was in Ireland. Yeah, I was going to go there with you. There were, there were comparisons yeah. always made. Yeah, they they wanted to do obviously not a body searchers now or whatever anything like that, but like that now they want when they came in, like in grocery stores time our bags would have opened, we'd have opened them they'd have looked them in and we'd have walked out of the store, but Debenhams didn't want to do that. Debenhams wanted to physically put their hands in, they wanted to check more items and whatever, but they weren't like we stopped that because they weren't allowed because it wasn't Irish law. So when English companies come in, they just assume that the laws are going to be the same here as what they are there, and they're not. Yeah. And they don't look into these things. Mm. Now, it's, it's a non-unionised workforce in there. I did speak with the... Yeah. I did speak with the Independent Workers' Union, but they're, they're not a unionised workforce. Mandate, for example, are the Shop Workers' Union. Mandate, I believe, are not involved in JT Sports. Like, what would... You, you were... Mandate were helpful to to you guys um, in in, in fighting your case with with Debenhams. Like, what would Mandate have done here, do you think, Valerie? Well, they would have gone in straight away because even with our that time when they were trying to change security with us, uh, Mandate came in. You know Mm. what I mean? And we had meetings. So they would have have been there and actually I tagged Mandate on the Cork BO1 last week. Mm. Um, You know, I would have liked the thought that they might have contacted them. Well, I hope they did contact them. It's so important to have unions. Isn't it a thing in this country, Valerie? And we come back to it all the time. And I've been talking about this for as many years as I'm covering industrial relations. And that's as many years as I'm doing this job, which is almost too many years now. Every worker in the country, every worker has a right to join and be a member of a trade union. And, And I have always believed that it should be the manager, the manager's duty, legal duty, to recognise and speak with that union. Yes, definitely. But you see, they're coming in, stores are coming in, and they're not, they don't recognise the union. So mm. then staff are afraid to join the union, but they don't seem to realise that they can join the union and have it paid out monthly, out of direct debit. They don't have to tell the company that they're in the union. Correct. They don't need permission to join a union. They but don't the problem need is, permission. what they will say to Valerie is, yeah, I'm a member of a union. There's a couple of quid going out of my wages every week. But that's no good because if the union official comes into my workplace, A, they'll be turned out the door and B, I'll be sacked. But you see, I, yeah, and I, I I see where you're coming from. But at the end of the day, right, especially the likes of JD Sports, their big company, they don't want to be on the media saying that they're not going to listen to the union. Mm. So they, they might be coming in advising them not to join the union, but they will listen. Like They, they will have to let them come in because otherwise like this they're going to be on the media they're going to be brought up in the doyle you yeah. know yeah yeah it's a time is a time do, do you look, no government's going to do it are certainly none of the crowd that are up there now are, are going to make it compulsory for for companies to recognize and deal with the union and you know it's not going to happen it, it'll never happen in my lifetime anyway um yeah. there's no country in the world that has it 
So, and I can't see Ireland standing out on something like that. Yes, no, no. They, 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 they'll only stand out on the likes of doing the smoking ban that time That's because true. it was good. But yeah. they're not going to certainly, yeah. certainly not going to do anything like that that would help most of the people in a country, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, but you, you think that the Taoiseach was wrong to say he wasn't able to comment, yes. that he should have taken a position? He could have turned around and said, look, personally. That way then... He wouldn't have turned around and said that he was right or wrong. What I personally, I don't think it should have happened, but I will look into it and we will see if there's changes in the law. Right. You felt he... That's you felt, all he had to say. Yes. And he didn't. He yes. didn't stand up for the young people working in the store. He yeah. didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You know? True. Valerie, thank you for that. Valerie Conlon. Thank you. Cheers. Formally. Uh, by the way, Valerie, when is the documentary out? It's close, isn't it? Yes, so it's it's been premiered on the 4th of March in the Lighthouse Theatre in Dublin uh, for the Film Festival. It's actually on the three screens there at the night because it was so popular. And then UCC are showing it on the 13th of March. I think I'd have to look up the date again Excellent. at 7 o'clock. Look, I cannot, yeah. cannot wait to see it. That's a documentary about the Debenhams battle, the fight uh, for the people who, who don't know and I suppose... Well, People might not know. Uh, during the first lockdown, Debenhams pulled out of Ireland and the workers in Debenhams, the former workers, were just sacked, dumped by text message. And they fought for hundreds and hundreds of days to get what they were entitled to. Coming back on that, just to clarify with that, we were able to dig a little bit. If it's in your contract and if there's no physical contact involved, so no one touches you, then it is legal. It is legal. Is it right? Is another thing. Is it acceptable? Is another thing. Would you agree with Valerie? The Taoiseach stood up in the doll yesterday and said, I don't know the full details, so I can't comment without knowing all the full details. Valerie believes that what Leo Varadkar should have done was said, well, personally, I don't agree with it, but I don't know much about it. I'll have to look into it for you. Should he have taken a personal stand? 0818-96-96-96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The latest radio ratings are in. And once again. And once again. You've chosen Cork's 96 FM. You've chosen the biggest giveaways. You're going to Brazil! Yeah! Oh my god! The best laughs. <laughs> and the most beautiful moments. Yeah! Thank you so much! My little girl's jumping around. 231,000 people listen to Cork's 96 FM and C103 every week. Jail or Ipsos RBI 2022-4. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for choosing us. Now, stay listening to Win Your Way to Dermot Kennedy, live in Las Vegas. It's just the most beautiful sport for home. Music sounds better than go with me. Only on Cork's 96FM. Hashtag Choose Radio. You are listening out for Dermot Kennedy. Another opportunity to qualify for our trip to Las Vegas to see him and spend five nights there in a swanky hotel with money in your pocket and see Dermot Kennedy. Another opportunity. You're listening out for something to someone. 
promise to do it. I promise to do it uh, before quitting time today. 0818 96 96 96. I'm amazed PJ was so positive about Madonna. I want to say she is a great singer, a great dancer and a pretty good actor. But the damage she does to children, girls especially, all through her career, she's made girls as young as 10 conscious of their image, their weight, their skin and their makeup. They got 10 to look like her when they were young girls. Before she came on the scene, they didn't really do that. She's one of the people that created the dysmorphia we're cursed with. It's a point. The only response I would make is if your 10-year-old is looking for fake tan, there's a little word you can use. That little word is no. And if you didn't, use it. And your child got fake tan. Don't blame Madonna for that. I know, I know. I'm probably signing my own death warrant by saying that, but it is what it is. 0818 96 96 96. Yesterday we were talking about the Douglas Rochestown ETNS, Educate Together National School, or Dretton's, as they call it in the area. It's moved into a permanent building now, uh, down there on the road, the back road in from Douglas to Carrigaline. It's a fantastic school, run by a great guy, Alan Sheehan. It's been a long wait, but people are unhappy. We were talking yesterday with uh, John Collier. Kids from Mount Oval, who should have a school bus over, haven't got a school bus because some computer in the Department of Education says that they have a traversable path to school. Now, that traversable path is down a slip road against traffic that's coming up across a dual carriageway that sometimes moves like a Formula One track and up another slip road against traffic coming down and then down to Ed School. And the parents of the kids in Mount Oval are looking for a bus. They're looking for a school bus to take them to this wonderful new school. And they're asking the Department of Education, how the hell can you say that there's a way to walk to school across that big dual carriageway. We raised it yesterday on the programme. It prompted a big response, including a call from Mary. Now, Mary, I think your your boy has a bus. Morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, um, my son is in sixth class and he's been so delighted to move into the new school. Now, he'll only get six months in it, but that's besides the point. Yeah. But we had thought that with a, a school that's eight years in the planning that bus air and the Department of Education would have had a bus ready to go. Mm. So when they did move, it took about two weeks of pestering, and that's the word, PJ, pestering TDs, bus air, and eventually he did get a bus pass. But then I'm very concerned that he has classmates and neighbours who live equally as far away from us, mm. and they don't have any bus ticket. Where do you live? We're, we're living in Thornbury View. Okay. And so just it's, Yeah. So very close to basically across the road from Mount Oval and you have classmates that don't have bus tickets and then you have parents clambering together to carpool and to be honest, that road is not safe enough for children to be walking on and that's our primary concern. Mm. My son would have cycled previously to school and it's certainly not safe enough to cycle. As John explained to us, it's the traversable route that literally comes out of the computer but 
It's yep. down a road against oncoming traffic. It is across a dangerous road with three or four lanes and then up another road with traffic coming down against you. I don't see what computer. I'd love to see what computer actually came up with that as a traversal route. It certainly wasn't Google, Google Maps. Maybe as the crow flies, but I don't know any crow that would go up a dual carriageway and across a slipway to go to school. It's just not feasible. It's not safe. And it's not logical in any way. And I think that's part of the, the part of it that grates so much. It's totally not logical. If we were told there isn't a budget for it, you know, they've maxed out at two buses, I think people could accept that more. And as part of the planning process, I'm told, uh, this was to be a green school and 80% of people would come to school, pupils would come to school, not be, being driven. They were to come either bike or walk or bus. With that in mind, there isn't parking at the school for parents. There's a little um, drop-off point. There's no parking. It's a narrow road. There isn't um, proper foot access or um, cycling access. And yet, um, this is supposed to be, you know, part of planning that it's a green school. But the only way to make that a fully green school is to have buses dropping all the children that are eligible to go there. And I don't see, I don't see the problem with it because you provide one bus and you take 40 cars off the road and that's the long and the short of it. And I would imagine that residents living locally, the nursing home where they need access for for staff, for patients, for ambulances, they're being barred every morning time and every evening time because the road is so busy with parents dropping off children needlessly if they don't put on one bus. And the key point you were making is your boy has a bus ticket. Has a spot and and we're very grateful for it. His friends who live about the same distance from the school as us do not have tickets and that's just not fair. Mary, thank you for that. Appreciate the call. Thanks, PJ. Yeah, we also heard from, thanks Mary, we also heard from uh, Melissa, who said thank you for raising the issue about the school. It has to be resolved soon. We're in Broaddale, uh, both there and using the same traversable route excuse, so my kids can't get the bus. It makes no sense. Um, the situation is very difficult. This is from Anna, very difficult from the parents and the kids. We feel disappointed and ignored It'll really help if we can get this bus as fast as possible. And it'll also reduce traffic. You're not wrong there. 0818 96 96 96. We've had a bit of news. I can't tell you about it until tomorrow. I'm sworn to secrecy, secrecy until tomorrow. One of the stories I've been talking about in the last couple of days has been a big twist in it. I can't tell you until tomorrow. I wish I could tell you now, but I can't tell you until tomorrow. So you'll have to listen in and uh, and we'll find out then. We'll find out together, as Fergal always said in the morning. Oh, he has a habit of doing that. Let's find out together. 0818 Alice, you were in Fitzgerald's Park. Morning. Morning. Where, when were you there? I was there on Saturday last. Okay. In the evening. What did you see? Oh my God. The toilet was what we say in Cork, 90. Right. Um, there was about a half inch of water and toilet roll and I don't know what else on the floor. Um, there was a side nappy in the sink. You couldn't wash your hands. You push for the toilet paper and you'd only get a limited amount. And you know, the child that was with me refused to go to the toilet, so I don't blame him. So um, while we were around the park, there was a man and the loudspeaker saying the gates closed at five. So we went to the gate ten to five. The back gates were closed by the playing area. So everybody that had children had to walk up to the main gate. Mm. Uh, and the cafe was closed at four, 
No, it was a beautiful day up there and there was loads of people. But yeah, Saturday said, was a lovely day. Yeah. yeah, I just felt like that. Any visitors visiting the park, it's our big park and car. It's just very bad. The toilet was a disgrace. Manky. Like. Yeah, manky, manky. You, you couldn't do this. Is, and that's the, is that the new public toilet they put in when they put in the new stage and all that? Um, to the one down, there's only one toilet I know up there and that's the one down by the park where the kids play. Yeah. The, yeah, that you put in the 20 cents just like the public toilet then it opens, but oh my God, it's definitely not being looked after and it's definitely, there was two little boys even walked up and they walked away when they saw it. And was there anyone around that you could report that to? Well, the man in the loudspeaker, I didn't think I should report it to him because he wasn't in the best humour. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to clear them. And, yeah. okay, they, they always close the, the gates as the sun is, is starting to go down. So that's not new. And in, in the summertime, it's open a bit later, as far as I know. But you said the cafe was shut at four. That's right. That's right. It was four. We went up about two minutes to four. And there was other people above and they were walking away too. They said they closed. Um, but I know the park closes at five. But to close the gates, you know, if you, if you park your car down by the play area and take your kids in, mm. those two gates were locked, locked. So anybody with small kids had to walk up to the main gate and back down to their car, which is a good walk if you were small. It is. Oh, it is. It is. It is a bit of a Five o'clock is early, I know. But I, this is an Irish thing as far as I'm concerned, Alice. This is an Irish thing, to close the cafe yeah. at four. Yeah. Is that, yeah. No. Is that, is that run by the, by the park or is it run by a different company? A different company. Different company. They still close at four. Like you wonder why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it seems to do good business. Like you'll be oh, wondering. Yeah. No doubt, it's yeah. lovely. But uh, like, yeah. no, if, like, why would you close at four when the park doesn't close? To the, that's a matter for themselves, I suppose. But the toilets are the issue. Oh my God! I'm telling you, it's a health hazard. Health hazard if you went into them. And you saw people actually walking away and saying, "No, no, I'm not going in there." I did. I did. I did. Right. Saw people walking away, and I mean, I mean, I had a seven-year-old girl with me, and she looked at him. She said, "I'm not going in there." You know, so if she said that, out, oh of the, out of the mouths of babes, was this? Yep, exactly, exactly. So, Alice. no, they want to start something out up there with the toilet to the summer. All right, all right, Alice, thanks. Alice O'Keefe visited Fitzgerald's Park Saturday, found the public toilet in there to be, in her words, that great cock expression. And it, it kind of describes manky. There's, it's, we are brilliant in the way we use language in this city and county. Manky. Nobody else in the country, I think, let alone the world, would understand what you said. Is that place is manky? I think that the in England they'd say it's minging, but no, manky, lovely word. Toilet in Fitzgerald's Park is absolutely manky. Oh, James, James, who is it? Did you find? I think looking at your Facebook, did you find who's dumping this stuff outside your front door? Morning. Morning, Peter. How are you? Yeah, we uh, we found out who it was. We've yet to pay him a visit. Uh, yeah, you saw the footage, it's just very strange. Even the items that he dumped were strange, you know. What did he dump? <laughs> a light bulb, uh, a plastic ball, a bottle and a Tesco receipt. Now, he didn't only just dump them, he placed them. Did you see the footage? I did, I couldn't quite make it out, though, what he was doing. Yeah, he literally Do you know, went down Do you know who he is? Them. I I found out last night who it was, yeah. So, I'm going to have a word with him. I, I, I just, sure, it's just why, like, why... It's just, it's like if you walk past me through me, I'd say, you know, something. But he bent down. There was effort involved in him placing him outside the door, you know. That's gas. It's very bizarre, to be fair, you know. But, uh, yeah, if you look, it's one of those things, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, 
yeah, we can't name this individual. No, 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 I I know you know. I know you know. Because a lot of people would would say, oh, name and shame. We we can't. The footage, the footage shows someone, it's, it's, is it CCTV? Yeah, I have outside my front door there. Yeah, just describe for people who haven't seen it, what's in the footage. Well, it's it's about 10 to 12, um, Tuesday night, and uh, first there's a dog comes into the screen. Actually, it's, when we saw the dog, it's actually my daughter Katie, as you know, she knew who the dog was, so that's how we found out. Um, Yeah, she loves the dog, so she knows every dog in this space. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so the owner passed in, and he stopped, and he kind of looked around, and then he bent down into my little garden that I have, and he just placed a plastic ping-pong ball, a light bulb, um, a Tesco receipt, and a plastic bottle that the dog had chewed up, you know? Right. Put him in order. You know, he was there for about 10 seconds putting him in order, you know? And he got up then and he looked around and walked away. <laughs> I'm, I'm, laughing, I'm laughing I'm laughing Katie identified him through the dog through the dog yeah so yeah she knew the dog she goes that's what the touch and I went what you'll be paying a, you'll, be, you'll be paying a visit that's on your own page James Toomey not, not the yeah, person yeah I didn't share I just put up my own page just keep it locally where I live you know okay. what I mean so but look let, let me know on or off air how you get on I know you got to go to work now but let, let, let me know on or off air how you get on with this individual will you I will. I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back. He's stopped him anyway. So, look, you forgot this. You have to take my door. <laughs> yeah. oh don't, do, don't do what someone I interviewed years ago did where someone put a, a bag of dog poo and just oh. dumped it over their fence. They had, at least, no, they had the decency to put it into a bag. Yeah, But then yeah, they yeah, horsed yeah. it over the fence. So what, what did the person who called me do? They followed them home and put it in the letterbox. Don't, don't, don't do that. Well, I won't do that, but you know what I mean? You can't uh, fault that guy for doing that either, in fairness. So. You can't, you can't. James, thank you. 0818 96, 96, 96. Just in case you're wondering, he knows who he is, name and shame. Uh, no. No. Can we have a, a conversation about name and shame? Name and shame is a lovely slogan that you can use. It causes more trouble than it ever solves. And trust me, if you name and shame, the only people you're shaming is yourself. Because you could cause all sorts of stuff to go wrong. But look, he knows who it is, and he's going to have a word and see what the story is. 0818 96, 96, 96. Jimmy on JD Sports says, if I was working security there, I'd simply refuse to do it. I wouldn't work there. Yeah. That's a that's a take. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Corks ninety six FM. Dermot Kennedy live in Las Vegas. Win your way there with Corks ninety six FM. Right, we're on our travels again. And we're going to Cove now, this time. And we're going to... What are you... Michaela McGrath, what are you doing in the bathroom? Morning. <laughs> Morning, PJ. I'm hiding from the kids. <laughs> what? Oh, they're on midterm, are they? They're on midterm. I have three boys. Right. Oh, God, help you. What ages are they? Uh, they're 10, 12 and 13. Oh, I'm on my way with whiskey and paracetamol. I... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're great. They're great. You're you're a big fan of um, you're a big fan of Dermot. I am. Have you seen yes. him ever? 
I did my sister and brought me to see him last year in Dublin. Right, right, okay. Oh God, and here's the children. Now they can hear me on downstairs. That's all right. Hello, go away. Give me one little break. Put me on speaker there for a second. Put me on speaker there for a second, right? Uh, kids. Go on away downstairs now and give your mother a break, and she'll be she'll she'll buy you chocolate later on. Go on. <laughs> okay. So so you want to go to you'd have to leave them behind. We can't send them oh, to. Do you know what? That's okay. I think I manage. Good. Would you bring the sister, or who will you bring? Oh, I better not say just yet. Okay. Um, right. Well, let, let, now let's see. You gotta you gotta qualify through a question. And we've got to decide what question to give you. So do you want a Dermot question or a Vegas question? PJ, I'll let you decide now because I'm petrified. Oh, you see, I don't decide. I, it's the slap machine that decides. So go for it. will we see what the slap machine throws Jim. up? Here we go, OK. It says Dermot. OK. It's a Dermot question. OK, his first album was called, is it A or B? A, without fear, or B, without food? Was it without fear or without food? A or B? A or B? Without food. Who'd call an album without food? Oh, thank God. Okay, you're, you're through to Amazing. the draw. Amazing. Right, no. I can't believe this. Okay, you're through to the draw. Um, that'll be happening in a couple of weeks' time. And who knows, you could be heading. We'd love to have a winner from the show. Because we've had some great qualifiers so far this week. So, Michaela McGrath from Cove, go down now and calm them children down. I know, I think we all need something else, Candace, to stay. Pop on the I know, look, look, they'll be back to school on Monday. Yes, thank God. <laughs> Michaela, thanks. It's our latest qualifier with the Dermot Kennedy Live in Las Vegas giveaway. It's a massive prize. It's a hell of a prize. We'll fly you there, give you five nights. Luxury hotel accommodation, spending money, tickets to see Dermot at the Chelsea at the Cosmopolitan on May 19th. You're listening for the daily Dermot Kennedy song. This will be on again. Well, that's the slot machine. This will be on again. Simon is guaranteed to play that between 12 and 4. Lorraine will play it between 4 and 8. Your opportunity to win each time, win a place in the final of our draw. Dermot Kennedy live in Las Vegas, only on Cork's. 96 FM. Now, this is a wonderful story. This is a great story. Do you ever lose an animal? Do you ever lose a pet? There's a cat left our house. It's got to be 10 years ago now. We had a cat called Mooney. Short for Moonwalker. Don't ask. Mooney is living down the road from me. And I know why he left. He divorced us. Yeah, but Lawrence... There's a great story behind Nacho, and you've been looking for him since since when? Good morning. Hi, how are you, PJ? Um, the the 28th of November, he went missing uh, on in unusual circumstances. He got out of his cage at the vets. Yeah, he's a big cat. He's a big ginger male cat. And uh, as I was taking him out of the car to bring him in because he had an injured paw, a big abscess in his paw, his paw was swollen. Um, he panicked and he broke out of his plastic cage. He just split it in two, um, and and not not at the seam where you can actually take it apart. He cracked the, all the plastic and everything. He's a and strong he devil. He's a big cat, yeah. <laughs> he's a beauty. Actually, I've seen a picture of him. He's a gorgeous boy. He's beautiful. So he went missing. There was no sign, and he's deaf as well, which doesn't help. 
yeah, he's deaf. So as I was looking for him in that, there was no way to call him or anything. You know, I kind of had to see him or someone had to see him. It was it made it a lot more difficult. Yeah. Had you given up? Uh, yeah, it, it, it was there was so much effort put into it. And I got so many calls from so many people that found other ginger cats that looked like him. But every time it just wasn't him. And I figured if there were so many photos being sent to me and so many people knew about this and none of the photos were natural, like that, that was kind of disheartening. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, it, it was a, 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 a horrible thought as well that all those cats might be looking for their owners as well. Yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't think there are that many ginger cats out there until you're looking for one. Uh, yeah, like yeah, the amount of places there, there are all these places all around Ballyfahan, Toker, and where where they say oh that fella's around all the time. So um, I I kind of had to take that with a pinch of salt because there's every chance that they think it's the same cat and it's actually three or four cats. Um, and uh, there was one place in Connolly Park where there are actually two resident ginger cats that look very like my cat and neither of them are my cat. <laughs> you visited people. You went and looked at these cats. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I tracked down five cats. I came face to face with five different cats uh, that were very, very promising. Um, but uh, I, I'd say I got photos of close to 40 cats around the Cork area. Yeah, now he's, what is he, six, five or six? Six years old, yeah, six and a half or so. And there's a, there's a really nice story. You found him. He was, he was a, an abandoned kitten. Yeah, I found him at the uh, Cork Kerry County Bounds um, and there's not a house in sight there and he was at the side of the road um, and uh, it was summertime and he was kind of kind of blended into the side of the road yeah. uh, but I spotted him. We were doing, you know, 100 kilometres an hour or whatever you would there and I slammed on the brakes and my wife panicked. She was like, what's wrong, what's wrong? So I said, there's a cat. So I went in and he was tiny, the size of my hand yeah. um, and uh, injured as well. His his lip was split so there was a like a fresh scab on his lip and um, he whatever happened to him he had a split from his nostril from inside his nostril all the way down to his mouth like um, a poke of a car or something yeah I, I, no idea what happened to him um, but ultimately you know that's uh, it helped that he had that scar because it, it allowed us to recognise him in the end yeah but there, there's definitely a very emotional connection to this car, his cat so Valentine's Day you got a call yeah, uh, out of out of no, like, so I've I've been getting calls, you know, every couple of days. I think I have your cat. He's in my back garden, and and it's every time it's you know the first couple of times I got my hopes up. It's like oh my oh my goodness, you know, it's natural. Uh, but uh, every time it just transpired, it was just not him. Uh, thankfully, everybody has smartphones now, so people were able to send photos, save me the trip of going out there, um, and uh, I got uh, a, a lovely woman called Sharon called me, and I got a photo. Uh, just after I got off the call with her and I completely dropped, you know, like uh, all my energy went, you know, it was like all these months of of worry and, you know, minus six degrees in the middle of the night. I just couldn't sleep because I knew, you know, Nacho could be out there and seeing a photo and I was convinced, but it's easy for me, you know, to for my brain to play tricks on me because I want to find him, you know. So I went to my wife in a panic and, I couldn't even get the words out. And she was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And she looked at the photo and she said, oh my God, that's Nacho. And I started scrambling. I grabbed a can of tuna and a can opener and I was out the door. I didn't even have the lady's address yet. I, I was just, I was on my way. And uh, I got there and uh, sure enough, I, I, I recognized him. 
he recognised me. He was very, very scared of everything, every movement and that. Um, but he'd been living in the lady's garden for three days um, and he was very, you know, very distant. But she saw him come towards me and she started crying. She was, oh my goodness, it's him. He recognises you. I was in a heap and uh, it was a, a very, very emotional uh, reunion and yeah. he let me uh, pick him up and I, I brought him to the car and I knew once I had him in the car I could get him home. Yeah, good because a fr- I mean a frightened cat will take your fingers off if they don't want to be lifted up. Yeah, especially a cat that can break out of a a, a fairly new, exactly. strong plastic uh, you know cage um, and and who knows what like his injury in the first place when we brought him to the vet was from fighting. He's a he's a fighter, you know. Oh, his uh, his scar was really, from fighting, was it? Yeah, yeah, fighting other cats. He's not really a hunter, um, but he he would he would be very territorial. Um, so being there in the depths of you know uh, the city with buses, because no buses pass our house here in Ballincollig, and uh, no trucks. You know, it's 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 relatively quiet. It is a housing estate, but uh, yeah, it, it must have been must have been a harrowing experience for him. When you got him home, then. What happened? Yeah, so I, I got him home. I knew he was in the car, and I, I knew there was every chance that he would panic and go out of the car again and <laughs> run away. But at least he knows this area. Mm. And uh, sure enough, I got home. I couldn't reach him because he was in a corner of the boot. It was very, very awkward. I, I opened the boot, and it was barely a couple of centimeters open. And he squeezed his way out, and he ran over the neighbor's wall, <laughs> and he was gone again. Uh, and he was away. He was gone for about six hours. So you can imagine my panic inside after all that yeah, and no, the no. anticlimax of getting him home. Yeah. He was gone for oh, six no, hours. Cats are devils. We have a one Holly, and when we're packing for holidays, we have to lock her away in a room because yeah. the minute she sees a suitcase coming out, she's gone over yeah. the over the ditch. We can't find her. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. They they're they're so. Clever, you know. They're wonderful creatures. They're wonderful creatures. They really are. So he's home now, it's and he's unre- he's happy, and he's in, and he's everything. He's absolutely delighted. The kids are delighted. It was an emotional reunion after those six hours. Um, he was outside. He was still very scared. We hadn't rubbed him yet. Uh, I had rubbed him at the house where I found him all right, but I hadn't rubbed him since I, uh, since he got home. I had left out a plate of food, and we didn't want to tell the kids until we could actually see him. So we told the kids we were having dinner, and we we looked out and. He was there eating and sure, again, we were all in a heap, um, crying and emotional. And because the kids would often be asking me, you know, when is Nacho coming know, home? Why aren't we looking for Nacho? Um, where is Nacho? Uh, and all these questions that are extremely difficult to answer, you know. And as a, as a parent, you know, all you want to do is take care of your family. And the cats are very much family. I'm not an obsessive cat person. I love the cats and I take care of them. That's my job. That's why I took them in. Be more than one. Um, uh, yeah, I have uh, two cats here. Okay. Uh, so the other one was very lonely for the last two and a half months. Um, she's a little bit odd now that he's back. She doesn't understand what's happening. Uh, but uh, they're 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 settling in uh, uh, and getting back to normal. So okay. uh, yeah, it's a it's a, it's a mad story. They, they bring they bring a relationship to a house. I mean, I love both dogs and cats, and I have two of each. It's a totally yeah. different relationship. But if you have a good relationship with the cat, it's fabulous. Yeah, same. I, I grew up with dogs as well. I absolutely love animals. And the responsibility, you know, there's a massive responsibility with um, having an animal and taking care of them. Um, and, uh, you know, you do want the best for them. So for him to escape while, you know, I was the only person in the world that he could trust, 
Yeah. Um, but he he ran away from me. He didn't want to be near me. Uh, that was a horrible experience, and it was you know we left on bad terms. But luckily we're we're back to normal now. That's fantastic. A perfect, as Kate says, a perfect ending to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Lawrence, and best to the family and the return of Nacho the cat. There's a story from 2010. A dog called Zoe went missing after a family adopted her from a pound in the states. She was found in 2022, just a couple of miles away. 12 years she was missing. And Nugget, was it Jack Russell and Nug, um, a Pogue mix with Jack Russell, went missing for five years in New Mexico. He was found 1,500 miles away. Ah, listen, you let them into your heart and, and they'll break them. 0818 96, 96 96 I think that's about the size of it. It is. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. That bit of news about a story we've been covering, I promise you, that's the first thing we'll talk about when we're back tomorrow. Just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.